Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, good Friday afternoon. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show, where we're a little confused about whether or not we're in spring or winter or what the season might be. Heavy snow throughout the day where I happen to be driving or sitting looking out. And I understand we're going to expect some more snow uh, over the weekend. So hope you have your mucklucks ready as well as your um, flip-flops, because you never know quite what's going to happen here in spring in Portland. Well, James Blind is producing Sam Moppet Engineering today's program. We're going to take a look at some of the day's headlines, followed by the lighter side of the news. And in a moment of desperation, I invited James Blind to join me. He agreed, and now I can't take it back. So he'll be joining us in the second half of the first hour. And then in the second hour, this week's Christian Outlook. We'll hear an interview with uh, my colleague Don Crow. He turns to a veteran conservative activist, Gary Bauer. He's going to talk about the rise in the willingness by educational, medical, and political leaders to promote gender-affirming so-called care. Uh, We'll also hear from Dr. Albert Moeller as he gives his own response to a student ballot question at Wellesley College, this historic women's college, Uh, looking to accept non-binary and transgender students, which means males. And Scott Furrow and Steve Wilburn, pastors at Core Church in L.A., they talk about recent uh, bank failures and how this is impacting families, as well as the looming recession and inflation. How are people getting by and what's making us most nervous? That's all coming up this week on the Christian Outlook in the second hour of today's program. But first, some of the day's headlines. They were necessary measures, we're being told. The U.S. military carried out several precision airstrikes in Syria yesterday, reportedly killing eight Iranians in retaliation for a drone strike Iranian forces conducted earlier in the day on a coalition base that killed one American. The Defense Department said Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, they crashed a UAV into a building near a Hasaka in northeast Syria at approximately 1.38 p.m. local time, leaving one U.S. contractor dead. The attack also wounded five U.S. service members and another U.S. contractor. According to the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights, an opposition war monitor, two of the American strikes killed at least eight Iranian fighters. A U.S. airstrike at an arms depot in Harabesh in the eastern city, Uh, left six Iranian-backed fighters dead. A second U.S. bombing at a post near the town of Mayadeen killed another two fighters, according to the observatory, whose reporting relies on local Syrian contacts. U.S. intelligence assessed the UAV that crashed into the coalition base, which killed the U.S. contractor, was of Iranian origin. So President Biden authorized the military to retaliate, according to the Pentagon. A Florida former mayor resigned abruptly earlier this week because he disagreed with the reckless way the city council wanted to spend tax dollars. We've had very little debt, but the spreadsheet that we were looking at this past Monday showed a number of projects and the funding shortfall was a quarter of a billion dollars. That's a quote from the former Clearwater mayor, Frank Hibbard. Uh, Local government and government in general needs to be very careful with their resources and also be more creative in the ways we solve problems. Hibbard, who is, uh, was mayor, I should say, voted like a council member, was the lone city council voice who opposed the constructing of a $90 million city hall and municipal building. Clearwater, uh, already facing a quarter billion dollar shortfall for other projects, should be more careful with its resources, the former mayor Hibbard said. 
President Biden is being slammed for supporting the tearing down of dams to protect salmon species. And a deal has been reached. The U.S. and Canada have agreed to turn away migrants who cross the northern border illegally. However, if you make it to the southern border, eh. Fetterman's team is uh, Senator Fetterman, I should say, released a timeline for the senator's return to the Capitol. And despite her destructive dialogue, a former Pentagon DEI chief was not disciplined for a series of anti-white tweets. The White House corrected President Biden in another gap, his claim that the law helps um, keep guns away from domestic political advisors. Well, the Bank of England raised the interest rate. The Wall Street Journal reports that the bank raised its key interest rate by a quarter percentage point Thursday, a fresh sign that policymakers around the world are determined to press down on inflation despite strains in the banking system. Policymakers said the U.K.'s banking system remains resilient and warned they may need to raise the key rate again. The Bank of England has now raised interest rates at each of its Rate-setting meetings since December of 21, the European Central Bank, the U.S. Federal Reserve, and the Swiss National Bank have also raised interest rates in the past week. The CEO of TikTok testified before Congress. TikTok CEO Zhao Zhichu is, uh, was on Capitol Hill Thursday and faced a grilling from lawmakers, bipartisan, by the way, over the extensive reach the Chinese spy application has into the United States during the questioning from California Democrat Anna Eshu. Chu uh, claimed that China communi- the Chinese Communist Party does not have access to data collected by the application. Eshu responded that, um, uh, to the wildly false claim by calling it preposterous. For at least the third time on Thursday, TikTok CEO Xiao Chu uh, does not deny employees of TikTok's parent company in China have access to Americans' private user data. TikTok CEO said, yes, the Chinese engineers do have access to global data. Representative Wahlberg responded, you have no access to American data today, TikTok CEO. That's not what I said, Representative Wahlberg. So do you have access, TikTok CEO? This is a private business. Hmm. President Biden's approval rating cratered amid the banking crisis. Uh, The president's approval rating is nearing its lowest point of his presidency, according to a new poll following a string of bank failures, rather, that has thrown even more uncertainty into the economy. The Associated Press uh, Nork Center for Public Affairs Research survey found the president has a 38 percent approval rating, marking a fall from recent months. His approval rating last month was 45 percent. Biden's lowest point in the polling was uh, reportedly in July when 36 percent of respondents approved of the job the president was doing in the Oval Office. World Athletics has banned trans women also known as men, from competing in female track and field competitions. World Athletics has banned transgender uh, transgenders from competing in elite female competitions if they have gone through male puberty, the sports governing body said on Thursday. The council also voted to tighten restrictions on athletes with differences in sex development, cutting the maximum amount of plasma testosterone for athletes in half to 2.5 nanomoles per liter, from five, World Athletics President Sebastian Coe told a news conference that the decision to exclude transgender women was based on the overreaching need to protect the female category. He added that uh, WA would form a task force to study the issue of trans inclusion that would be chaired by transgender athlete. Uh, in addition, intersex athletes, those who may exhibit both male and female sex characteristics, will uh, in all categories be mandated to maintain that t- testosterone level at 2.5 um, 
uh, for 24 months to compete. There are various women believed to be intersex who have competed in the Olympics. Accenture sheds 19,000 jobs worldwide amid the global tech decline. The uh, company lowered its annual uh, revenue and profit forecast and decided to cut about 2.5% of its workforce, or 19,000 jobs. The latest sign that the worsening global economic outlook was sapping corporate spending on IT services. More than half of the jobs to be cut will be in its non-billable corporate functions. Uh, they say, uh, um, sending its uh, shares up 6.4%. The Irish-American Professional Service Company said in a Thursday filing that it would spend $1.2 billion in severance to cut 2.5% of its workforce over the next 18 months and another $300 million to consolidate its office space. Armed Russian jets have flown over a U.S. military base in Syria each day this month. The armed Russian jets have flown over the uh, base in Syria every day in March, violating a four-year-old agreement between the U.S. and Russia. Yet President Biden does nothing to stop this. The Russian jets have violated the airspace about 25 times this month, compared to zero in February and 14 in January. In addition, according to sources, Russian aircraft have confidently acted aggressively toward U.S. bases in a way that is not typical of an organized military force. The U.S. has used this, their direct deconfliction phone line to object to the hostility, but that the calls have done little to stop the behavior. Rather than acknowledge the issue, the military official said the Russians have told him they don't recognize the airspace as the United States. San Francisco is mulling over creating a $50 million reparations office in charge of reparations. San Francisco lawmakers this week proposed reallocating $50 million of taxpayer funds to establish an office of reparations that will ensure the city's black residents receive payments, which may amount to $5 million per person. San Francisco Supervisor Shaman Walton on Tuesday proposed creating the office to ensure the city's African-American Reparations Advisory Committee's vision is implemented after it makes its final recommendation in June in a state, in a municipality where slavery was never legal. TikTok, it's actually a Chinese data collection platform, not a harmless video app, something to keep in mind. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll continue to take a look at some of the hard news and coming up later this hour, the lighter side of the news with James Blend. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, Ford Motor Company expects to lose $12 billion on its EV line. The Wall Street Journal reported that Ford Motor Company expects to lose about that amount on its electric vehicle business this year. A reminder of how far traditional automakers have to go in turning their EV portfolios profitable. Ford disclosed the figure on Thursday while outlining a new financial reporting structure intended to give investors better insight into the performance of its three business units. Ford Finance Chief John Lawler He described the EV division as a startup inside the 119-year-old company and said it is normal for a fledgling business to rack up losses. Ford shares were down about 1.3% in the afternoon trading on Thursday. Ford plans to explain its financials uh, in more detail to investors and how it will stick to its goal of selling only zero-carbon emission vehicles by 2040. Ford is relying on Ford Blue its uh, gas-powered vehicle production to fund the carmaker's transition to EVs. 
The Florida Senate passed a school choice bill. Universal school choice legislation is headed to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' desk after it passed the Republican-led Florida Senate on Thursday with a large majority. If signed into law, and it will be, the Florida bill will eventually make state-funded vouchers for students universal by removing income caps for eligibility to education savings accounts. Parents who are eligible for the program will get $8,000 toward education-related expenses, including tuition at private schools, homeschooling, tutoring, materials, and fees for standardized tests. The vouchers will roll out over time with low- and middle-income families prioritized. The bill has been continually opposed by the state's teachers union, including the Florida Education Association, which said the bill will direct billions of taxpayer dollars to unaccountable private corporate-run schools at the expense of the neighborhood public schools that served most of our kids. Washington Democrats introduced legislation to eliminate the need for public safety officials to read English. Some Democrats in Washington state are trying to eliminate the requirement and other public safety officials to be able to read and write in English. Senate Bill 5274 seeks to expand eligibility in certain civil service positions to allow lawful permanent residents to apply. In the current version passed by the state Senate earlier this month, the English language requirement is removed. The amended version of the bill summary now reads, removes the requirement that applicants of certain civil service positions must be able to read and write in English. The bill applies to applicants for the city's police force, city firefighters and the sheriff's office. Fish and wildlife officers are also included. President Biden left 175 Americans behind in Afghanistan in a House Foreign Affairs Committee hearing on Thursday. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken acknowledged that there are still American citizens detained by the Taliban in Afghanistan after Joe Biden's disgraceful surrender and retreat. When pressed on the number, Blinken said about 175, adding that 44 of them are ready to leave and we're working to effectuate their departure. More bravery in the NHL. More National Hockey League players are refusing to participate in the team's Pride Night LGBTQ plus promotions. The latest are from two Florida Panthers, brothers Eric and Mark Stahl, who refused to don Pride-themed warm-up jerseys prior to a game. Both cited a commitment to their Christian faith as the reason for refusing to participate. We carry no judgment on how people choose to live their lives and believe Uh, that all people should be welcome in all aspects of the game of hockey. They explained, having said that, we feel that by us wearing a pride jersey, it goes against our Christian beliefs. Meanwhile, the Chicago Blackhawks team is canned wearing pride warm-up jerseys for its upcoming pride night over concerns that it would needlessly threaten its Russian players who could face legal repercussions when returning home as the country has laws banning the promotion of homosexuality. Good for West Texas A&M University. In a statement emailed to students and posted on his blog that he titled A Harmless Drag Show, No Such Thing, West Texas A&M University President Walter Wendler explained why he recently canceled a student drag show on the school's campus. Wendler noted drag shows are inherently degrading and misogynistic and therefore run counter to the school's commitment to promote and protect the dignity of all members of the school. WT endeavors to treat all people equally, he wrote. Drag shows are derisive, divisive, demoralizing misogyny, no matter the stated intent. I do not support any show, performance, or artistic expression which denigrates others, in this um, in this case, women, for any reason. I uh, quoted earlier this week a woman who suggested that uh, drag is uh, to women what blackface is to African Americans. 
mocking or objecting in any way members of any group based on appearance, bias, or dis, uh, predisposition is unacceptable. No matter of fancy rhetorical footwork or legal wordsmithing eludes the fact that drag shows denigrate and demean women, noble goals notwithstanding. End quote. The United Network of Oregon, that's Oregon, O-R-G-A-N, sharing, Oregon sharing, a private nonprofit government contractor wants to rewrite priority standards for the transplant waiting list in order to adhere to the left's equity dogma. Currently, those at the top of the Oregon waiting list have met a number of factors that indulge age, that include rather age. Children are generally higher on the list because of their youth, being an organ donor themselves, living donor, or being a biological match. UNOS is specifically targeting the living donor prioritization, claiming it's a standard that promotes inequity and therefore unfair. The trouble is the waiting list for organs is long and deprioritizing living donors. It's usually a kidney they have donated will only serve to decentralize and therefore diminish the number of living donors. In other words, UNO is effectively virtue signaling in a way that would result in effectively shrinking the already severely limited number of organs available. President Biden, uh, uh, blackouts are coming. No, not the president himself. But as winter quickly turns to spring and spring to summer, this strain on America's power grid will become more pronounced as people seek to cool their homes. In places like California, summer brings an increasing number of blackouts as demand on the aging power grid, as well as an increasing reliance on inherently inconsistent renewable energy sources, strains the system. Democrat politicians will repeatedly blame their favorite boogeyman, climate change, for the grid problem, but the real root of it has to do with bad policy, not climate. In reality, it has more to do with a disarray of political agendas and tangled regulations that serve to slow down development. Joe Biden hasn't helped matters as his ridiculous promotion of the uh, anti-fossil fuel agenda has only further hampered the power grid and spread California's problem across the country. The TikTok CEO refused to say whether officials at China's parent company helped him prepare for the hearing. The House failed to override the president's veto of ESG legislation, and the House passed a parental school oversight measure. AOC, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, rather, is being roasted over calling the Republican parents' rights bill fascism. Energy Secretary Granholm admits that she has a gas stove while justifying the push to regulate the appliance. Rand Paul and Chip Roy plan to introduce legislation to eliminate Fauci's NIAID agency. Iowa bans transgender procedures on minors and trans identifying students from using public facilities opposite of their gender, their biological sex, rather. Track and field banned transgender athletes from international competition Thursday while adopting new regulations that could keep caster uh, Semena uh, and other athletes with differences in sex development from competing. A Washington Post poll inadvertently finds that the vast majority of trans people aren't really transgender. Most adults who identify as transgender don't consistently identify as the opposite sex or present themselves as such, according to a Thursday poll the Washington Post and Kaiser Family Foundation conducted. Only half of the transgender adults actually present as the opposite sex all or even most of the time, according to their poll. Fewer than half identify as transgender women or men, as opposed to non-binary or gender non-conforming. On this day in history, 1832, a mob of in Hiram, Ohio, attacks tars and feathers Mormon leaders Joseph Smith Jr. and Sidney Rigdon. 1882, German scientist Robert Koch 
He announces in Berlin that he has discovered the bacillus responsible for tuberculosis. 1976, Isabel Perón, the president of Argentina, is deposed by her country's military. 1988, former national security aides Oliver North, John Poindexter, businessmen Richard Secord and Albert Hakim, they plead not guilty to charges stemming from the Iran-Contra affair. 1989, the supertanker Exxon Valdez runs aground on a reef in Alaska's Prince William Sound and begins leaking an estimated 11 million gallons of crude oil. 1995, after 20 years, British soldiers stop routine patrols in Belfast, Northern Ireland. 1998, two students, ages 13 and 11, open fire outside Jonesboro Westside Middle School in Arkansas, killing four classmates and a teacher. 1999, NATO launches airstrikes against Yugoslavia, marking the first time in its 50-year existence that it had ever attacked a sovereign country. 2009, citing the AIG debacle, Treasury Secretary Timothy Geithner and Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke, in a rare joint appearance before a House committee, ask for unprecedented powers to regulate complex non-bank financial institutions. 2014, five former employees of imprisoned financier, um, Bernard Madoff, Madoff rather, are convicted at the end of a six-month trial in New York that cast them as uh, extensions of their boss. And finally, on this day in history, 2018, spurred by a call to action from student survivors of the school shooting at Parkland, Florida, that left 17 people dead, hundreds of thousands of teenagers and their supporters rally against gun violence in the streets of the nation's capital and in cities across the country. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Up next, a look at the lighter side of the news. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to switch gears and take a look at the lighter side of the news. And again, James Blend is joining me for just that. Welcome, James. Yes, just that and only that. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Absolutely. Now, tonight is the performance of uh, Nazareth. The comedian, yeah. He's uh, at Sunnyside Church tonight. Are tickets still available? Can folks Absolutely. just decide tickets at the last the minute? Yep. We'll you know what? We're going to go to a show, uh, to a comedy show. So tickets, you said? Yeah. Yeah. You can buy them at the door. Absolutely. We'll have uh, them there. All the details, kpdq.com. What I didn't know until just a moment ago is that you are opening for Nazareth. Now, our listeners may not know that you are a bona fide comedian. Especially if they'd listened to the show, they wouldn't have any idea. Well, I mean, you know, (laughs) that's probably true. And it may not be any more evident uh, tonight, to be perfectly honest. Aren't you nervous? I mean, I'd be so nervous about standing up in front of a crowd of people with an expectation, okay, make me laugh. You know, I've done it a couple times now, so it's not quite as nerve-wracking. But thanks to the old pandemic, it's been quite a while. So... Do you need to warm um, up? Can you t- tell us a joke or a story or something? No, not really. Uh oh. I know. It's not I, well I'm, for tonight. I've drawn a blank. It's it's not good. Oh dear. Well, maybe as we wind through some of the lighter side of the news, you can get some ideas. That that that's true. Uh, hopefully, I don't use up all the good material. <laughs> well, truthfully, I'm sure you have a whole routine worked out, and you're ready to go. There, and there, it's going to be hilarious. Be some, there may be some sort of plan. Yeah. I'm not going to be there tonight, but I promise you at about seven-ish, I'm just going to burst out laughing inexplicably in my living room, sitting next to Dan Rice. I'm just going to burst out laughing in homage to you. Yeah, well, you know, our boss will be there. Uh, so, you know, I always have to behave. Last time, the first the first time I did this, because this is the third time I've opened for Nazareth, the, 
our general manager was right there in the front row when I got on stage. I'm like, oh, that's great. That's <laughs> That'd great. be just a, a smidge intimidating. It's just a little bit. And, you know, it's one of those things like, uh, I better make him laugh. Yeah. For the right reasons. Well, again, this will be your warm up. Exactly. You better make me laugh. I, I usually do. We'll see. Okay. I'm going to be a tough crowd. I want to warm you up for what you're about to face. You know, you and I were in these two small rooms. We can face one another. But when you're at Sunnyside, there's going to be an audience. You're going to see people's faces. You're going to know if they laugh. Well, usually you hear them, too. Well, there, there is that. Yeah. By the way, in the second hour of today's program, and you may be longing for that second hour to begin, the Christian Outlook. We've got some great uh, Interviews lined up, so I hope you'll stick around for that. Again, that's in the 5 o'clock hour. All right, let's see what I've collected here. Um, Conservationists are pushing for the Venus flytrap to be South Carolina's official carnivorous plant. I didn't realize a state needed an official carnivorous plant. Joining other official items, such as the state bird, which is the Carolina wren, the state opera, Porgy and Bess, and the state snack, boiled peanuts. What does Oregon have? Would we have a, we have anything that's notable? No. I mean, we're the beaver state. Is that it? Um, I think so. Well, in all, South Carolina has about five dozen official state things. Uh, there are already five different plants, including yellow jasmine, which is the official flower to the official fruit, the peach. Uh, there is the. Um, Indian grass, which is unsurprisingly South Carolina's official, you guessed it, grass. But supporters said honoring the Venus flytrap isn't about one extra thing students see on an elementary school worksheet. Instead, it's about protecting and increasing awareness of an interesting species found only in this spot on the globe. The other part, uh, upper part of the South Carolina coast and a smaller sliver of Southeast North Carolina. So this is unique to that little area um, of the of the globe. Interesting. Yeah. In a state as small as ours that is growing every day, we have to protect the things that belong here. That's a quote from South Carolina Senator Thomas McLevin, or actually McVleen, who led the subcommittee on Tuesday that voted to advance the bill to elevate the status of the carnivorous plant. I don't think we have any carnivorous plants here. I did try to start a water no, they garden try, a few they try years to keep back with meat uh, and plants very separate here in Portland. I've noticed that. Yeah, that's probably true. Well, the Democrat knows all about the allure of the plant with leaves that could trap insects to get a source of nutrition, the nutrient poor soil where it grows. Well, the uh, lawmaker said his mom bought him one when he was just a kid from the market. He named the, the uh, plant Audrey. Audrey the second. After the um, ravenous and cruel human-eating Venus flytrap in the uh, the play Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, yes. I remember that one. Yeah. Well, in the wild, the Venus flytrap are the size of a lima bean and mean no harm to anything other than spiders and flies. Might want to have a few in the house. Uh, they have special hairs that can uh, that have a wind brushed uh, twice in succession. To reduce the amount of false alarms by dust or rain, snap the leaves shut with the insect inside. So we'll uh, we'll follow this to see if South Carolina actually comes up with this uh, new plant to honor. I, I yeah, I guess the question would be, you know, what what 
plant would Oregon honor? Do we have a state plant? I don't know that we do. Can you look that up? I will head to the... Uh, I mean, the City of Roses, Portland. Um, I yeah, might, my maiden name was Rose, and I always thought this was about my family, the Rose Festival Parade. I thought the Lord, the Lloyd Center was some sort of a Christian organization when I was little, and they were building it. I thought it was the Lord Center, and that we would go there to worship and The amazing shop. thing is, is that the, it doesn't look like we have a state plant. We do have a state flower that is not the rose. Yeah, that's that's the city. What's the state flower? The Oregon grape blossom. Mm. I actually didn't know that, the Oregon grape. So yeah, so that uh that kind of answers that. It's uh the Oregon grape. Not very thrilling, but it is indigenous it to is. Oregon. Well, this was rather interesting. There's a dispute between Jack Daniels and the makers of a squeaking dog toy that mimics the whiskey's signature bottle. And it gave the Supreme Court a lot to chew on on Wednesday. The question for the court involves whether the toy's maker infringed on Jack Daniels' trademark. And the justices were largely on their best behavior, not picking up on the toy's um, humor and puns. Well, still, with three of the justices um, either completely or almost totally silent, it wasn't clear from the arguments whether Jack Daniels' case is on the rocks or whether the makers of the bad Spaniel's toy had been, well, bad. Justice Samuel Alito, and yes, we're talking about the U.S. Supreme Court, he expressed skepticism for Jack Daniels' arguments. Could any reasonable person think that Jack Daniels had approved this um, use of the mark? He asked at one point, when the company's lawyers pushed back on the justice's knowledge about dog toys, Alito responded in part with, I had a dog. I know something about dogs. His late Springer, Spaniel, Zeus, sometimes visited the court. But Justice Elena Kagan seemed more ready to rule against the toys manufacturer. Maybe I just have no sense of humor, Kagan said to laughter. But what's the parody? Well, Kagan, whose dry wit is often on display in the courtroom and in her writing, suggested the toy is simply an ordinary commercial product that is trading on the Look of the labor company's bottle. It looks just like it, only it's plush. Well, the VIP of products uh, has been selling the Bad Spaniels toy since 2014, so it's been around for a while. It's part of the Silly Squeakers line of chew toys that mimic uh, liquor, beer, wine, soda bottles for animals to chew on. I mean, you know, if I had a dog, that's what I would be getting them. Things that look like alcohol products, because by golly, that's just funny. Okay, it really isn't, but... No, I, pretty much not. I mean, I, I, you know, copyrights aside, I, I failed to see the humor in it. But, uh, you know, hey, I, I guess they, they also existed for nine years before it was noticed. Yeah, they also have Mountain Drool. Okay, that's which parodies funny. Mountain Dew, and then Heine Sniffin, which parodies Heineken. See, this is another reason I don't have a dog. Do you remember the time we had, <laughs> we had some students come for a tour here at the station? It happened to be my sister's third grade, fourth grade class, excuse me, Mrs. Stutzman's fourth grade class was my favorite day of the year. And I like to put little bags of treats together and I bought these plush toys. They were the whole world. And I usually use these gifts that I would send home with the kids for an object lesson. And here we have a plush toy that is the whole world that you can hold in your hands. And I had an object lesson all. He's got the whole world in his his hands and. James and uh, Justin 
read the paperwork and it turned out they were actually dog chew toys. Well, they squeaked, Georgine. That should have been the first clue off. I don't know they anything squeaked. about dogs. I mean, children's toys squeak. A baby's toy squeak. Some of them do, yeah. But not third graders' toys, typically. Uh, fourth, but fourth. Uh, I was a little yeah. embarrassed. Uh, but I, I snipped where, the tags off we and were... I sent them home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, our, I can only imagine what the people at the store thought. Why is she buying so many of those one dog toy? <laughs> Yeah, it was a little embarrassing, but, you know, those kids are probably, you know, in college now. And if any one of them happens to be listening, they now know that they were sent home with a dog chew toy. Oh, well. Oops. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show as we take a look at some of the lighter side of the news. And coming up in our second hour, The Christian Outlook. So stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show as we continue to march through some of the lighter side of the news. I don't know about you, but I kind of like the break from the hard news. Anyway, coming up in the second hour, the Christian outlook, you can return to stuff that really matters. March uh, is a pretty interesting month because they, it uh, features planetary alignments that you don't see any other time of the year. Five planets are going to appear Uh, Near the crescent moon, a planetary alignment is reportedly slated for the end of this month. I'm talking about Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Uranus, and our moon will be visible in the night sky on Tuesday, March the 28th. Well, it'll be visible in other places around the world. We'll probably have too many clouds to see it. Don't forget to look to the sky to the end of the month for the planetary alignment, which will have at least five planets plus the moon all visible in almost an arc shape as seen from Earth. That's a quote from a former Apollo astronaut tweeting earlier this month. Speaking with Good Morning America this week, NASA's Bill Koch, uh, who leads the agency's um, meteoroid, I have a hard time with that, meteoroid, uh, anyway, Environment Office at the Marshall Space Flight Center said that the crescent moon is the capper and will be halfway lit up just above Mars. So it's going to be quite a vision if you're in a position to actually see it. Perhaps the hardest to see with your eyes will be the planet Mercury, which will uh, be the one closest to the horizon. And right beside it will be a brighter object, planet Jupiter. He says that the uh, that Venus will likely be the brightest planet to see, while Uranus uh, can be trickier to spot. The last planetary alignment occurred on the 28th of December Back in 22, and there will be more events in the future. On September 20, I should say, September 8th, 2040, if the Lord wills and we live, uh, he teased an alignment that will include Mercury, Jupiter, Venus, Saturn, and Mars. All of them will be visibly within uh, 10 degrees, and that'll be pretty darn impressive, he says. I'm always partial to Saturn because of the rings, right? I mean, who can resist, he says. Well, who knows? We might be able to see that from this side of heaven, or we might be able to see it from that side of heaven, but it does uh, promise to be something of a spectacle. There are more planets uh, than stars in our galaxy, in case you didn't know. There are currently eight orbiting our star. The inner rocky planets are Mercury, Venus, Earth, and Mars. The outer planets are gas giants, Jupiter and Saturn, and ice giants, Uranus and Neptune. Beyond Neptune, a newer class of smaller worlds called dwarfs planets, um, rain, including Pluto. However, thousands more planets 
have been discovered beyond our solar system. And my father, he designed and sustains them all. It's pretty cool. Indeed. Indeedly-do. Let's see. um, Just weeks after the military shot down a suspected Chinese spy balloon off the Carolina coast, a cryptic metal ball has washed ashore in Inshu Beach in the city of, uh, let's see, Hamatsu on Japan's Pacific coast, a Tokyo correspondent from The Guardian reported. Now, the rusty orange tinted sphere dubbed Godzilla's egg, according to the BBC Tokyo correspondent, gained worldwide interest after a local resident spotted it and alerted police. The elusive thingy is about five feet in diameter and has two raised handles, indicating that it can be uh, hooked onto something else. Uh, The call to authorities prompted police and even bomb squads to um, investigate the object out of fear that it may, in fact, be a stray mine. The Guardian experts uh, say that eventually they deemed the object safe after x-rays found it was hollow. The Guardian also noted that there was uh, no indication the object was part of any espionage operation from nearby North Korea or China. The ball has been removed from the beach, according to the BBC. But something to behold. Boy, if it isn't one thing, it's another. Or another. Or another. Or something else altogether. Exactly. Or another. Or something else. Mm-hmm. That's right. Absolutely. Correct. Uh-huh. I concur. I'm right there with you. I affirm your view. I affirm you. Wow. Okay, no, I don't. Let's just move on. <laughs> Probably for the best. <laughs> hey, a Harley Davidson motorcycle dating back to 1908 sold for $935,000. Now, I have a Schwinn bike from the 60s. I'm wondering what I can get for that thing. $935,000, making it the most expensive bike ever sold at an auction. They do realize they can get a new one much cheaper, right? <laughs> I guess they do. I remember the day I got my Schwinn. My sister and I got them at the same time. Our birthdays are six days apart. And that was uh, a day to remember. She and I had our matching bikes and we had matching outfits and our hair was pretty much the same. Riding on those Schwinn bikes that our parents got for us. But I digress. As soon as you got them, you were gone with the Schwinn. Yes. Yes, we were. Mecham Auction in Las Vegas said the motorcycle known as the Strap Tank due to the nickel plate steel bands that suspend the fuel and oil tanks from its frame sold about $935,000 after fees in a late January auction. Vint Agent, a website that tracks uh, auctions of vintage motorcycles, said the sale represented the highest ever paid for a motorcycle at an auction. Not just vintage. We uh, marketed the bike well, and Harley is by uh, far the most famous American motorbike brand. So we had a feeling that we would do well in auction, and of course they did. The surviving strap tank bikes are rare, and the bike sold by Meekum was an especially unique find. This bike has many of its original parts, which makes it uh, that much more rare. Uh, He said the bike was found intact in a Wisconsin barn uh, in 1941, and the finder kept it in his possession for the ensuing 66 years. The bike was uh, most recently restored um, and brought to the auction house. You know, you think back stuff that you had that had of little or no value, aside, aside from the fact that you might have uh, enjoyed playing with it, but stuff you wish you had kept that might uh, earn you a fortune today. Did you have an ancient motorcycle? 
No, I didn't. Well, then I think you're probably okay. No regrets. Oh, that Schwinn, though, that might have that might have garnered something. And these days, you know, I still an can... antique bike. I mean, you know, that that's you know ancient, ancient. Here's something I found rather interesting. Ain't no mountain high enough to keep germs from getting to you. Humans aren't the only organisms to scale the world's tallest mountains. And an analysis of soil samples taken from Mount Everest reveal that our coughs and sneezes are getting preserved in the mountain's ice for hundreds of years. The alarming finding was uh, published recently in the interdisciplinary journal Arctic, Antarctic and Alpine Research. There is a human signature frozen in the, um, um, micro, I guess it's microbiome of Everest, even at that elevation. If somebody even blew their nose or cough, that's the kind of thing that might show up. Scientists had harvested and the mountaineering microbes during the 2019 National Geographic and Rolex Perpetual Planet Expedition to Everest, which is the world's highest peak, standing at 29,031 feet above sea level. These veritable sneeze uh, freezes were collected from the south uh, somewhere, a 26,000-foot-tall gap where the mountaineers uh, uh, stop off before trying to reach the uh, the rooftop. I'm not sure how you would find a sneeze. I mean, is it is it like a snowball? What What is it that you would find that is a preserved sneeze for hundreds of years? Very I odd. mean, I preserved a sneeze for about 10 minutes or so by putting my <laughs> finger up to my nose, but that's about all I've been able to do. Well, scientists were flabbergasted that organisms associated with wet, moist environments could potentially survive for centuries in cold, dry, and other harsh conditions like the microbial froza, or whatever that is. In other words, it was a case of a cold catching a cold. So in other words, if, if, you've got, if you've got the flu, don't go up Everest. Absolutely. Got it. If you want to get rid of it, though, you might want to go there and come back down, leaving it behind. And then there's this, with more lunar missions than ever on horizon, the European Space Agency wants to give the moon its own time zone. This week, or actually last week, um, maybe a couple of weeks ago, the agency and space organizations around the world were considering how best to keep time on the moon. The idea came up during a meeting in the Netherlands last year, uh, with participants agreeing on the urgent need to establish a common lunar reference time. The agency said a joint international effort to um, is now being launched toward achieving this to find out what time it is. Does anybody know what time it is on Does the moon? Does anybody really care? Mm, I don't. For now, a moon mission runs on the time of the country that it's um, uh, that's operating the spacecraft. European space, space officials rather said an internationally accepted lunar time zone would make it easier for everyone, especially as more countries and even private companies aim for the moon and NASA gets set to send astronauts there. Kind of a cool idea. I'm not sure how you would go about it, but they're working on it. I I don't even know how you would calculate that. So that I'm glad there are smarter people than me working on it, which is pretty much everybody. <laughs> yeah, I'm not in that group either. All right, we need to take a break. We've got news and traffic coming at the top of the hour. And in the second hour, the Christian Outlook. Some great conversations about some of the headlines from this past week. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G Rice Show. 
and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.